0: Hello, I'm Orville Red and Sunburnt, and my latest popping corn is foolproof.
1: Yeah, it's proof you're a fool.
0: (laughs) It's my new Orville Red and Sunburnt Nitro-Fueled Popping Corn. The popping corn with just a touch of nitroglycerin added. Yes, that nitroglycerin blows each kernel up to several times its normal size. And you can bet every kernel pops, or is at least blown to microscopic particles. So. Fire up my nitroglycerin popping corn. You'll get a bang out of it, or my name isn't.
1: Arms, hands, shoulders. I don't know what all that means. Do you? Champions, Spotlight Sports Network is excited to tell you about an amazing deal from Thrive Fantasy, your place for daily fantasy sports and esports. Right now, with promo code SS Network, Thrive Fantasy will match up to $50 of your first deposit. So go to ThriveFantasy.com and sign up now with promo code SS Network. That's ThriveFantasy.com, promo code SS Network. like the Oakland A's? Are you a fan of the Golden Knights? Do you love the Los Angeles Chargers? Well then, my friend, you're in the right place. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show. With your host, Jake the Snake Sports. Silver, brought to you by the Spotlight Sports Network.
0: Well, wouldn't you know, folks, far and wide, east and west coast, and even for our Midwesterns out there, Wherever you may be and however you may be watching and listening, welcome to the Snake Sports Talk Show on the Spotlight Sports Network. We're live all over here in Vegas. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And, of course, you can also follow me on Instagram as well as we are on the road to getting to 500 followers on Instagram. We're all over the place as well trying to get to 400 subscribers total. We only need 900 more folks nine more on youtube it's been quite an exciting week this week um but yeah nine more subscribers for uh youtube we need a lot more followers as well so everybody like comment and also subscribe hit the bell button for all latest notifications on futures and past shows and also share with your friends share with your family and let's at least continue to expand and grow our community. I really do appreciate every single one of your guys' uh, love and support. It's always, without a doubt, the best, the absolute best, and I appreciate every single one of you guys. So it's official, guys. I mean, man, preseason's officially over. It's go time. It's go time in the NFL. There's a lot that I'm going to end up covering next week week. And so I'm going to have a lot to really talk about, but we've got a lot. And at the bottom of the hour as well, I will be doing my buy or sell into the, first of all, we're going to work on the AFC and that's basically buying or selling into, um, will there be more or will there be less wins for all the teams in the AFC? And then by the next episode, we will have, Uh, the NFC and then we'll wrap things up from there because I think we all kind of got a good idea of what we're looking at for this up and coming season. So with that being said, let's go ahead and we'll talk about this. So apparently news are getting back out again. The fish are back out of the water and you already know, um, there's speculations about one specific position. So the Miami Dolphins this morning had headliners. They are going with Tua Tagovailoa but they're not shunning away the the idea and the opportunity of maybe potentially acquiring Deshaun Watson. This had been a topic that gone on for months. And the Dolphins were still the front runners. They were the front runners when the topic first announced and they still are the frontrunners as it reemerged again. And, folks, I've been talking about this the last couple months about Tua and even about all the quarterbacks that have come out of Alabama. And, listen, you think of it this way. If you were confident in what you have or you're confident in the direction that you're going, then why change? If you know that it is good for you and at the same time you find potential, you build upon your potential or so on and so forth, then continue to stick with the road. But the fact that you've got Miami who said that, oh, we're all in on Tua. We're all in on Tua, Ryan Fitzpatrick's in Washington. And then conversations about Deshaun come right back out again. This was kind of something that I had anticipated with the Dolphins. Brian Flores is a hell of a coach. One that knows how to put his boot down, but is also one that restructures and reshapes a franchise. A guy who came out of a New England system, one of the best defensive coordinators in the league, and brought his philosophy to Miami. And Miami's defense looks really, really good. Looks much better. And then you've got the offense. Last year, you had Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua. They drafted Tua last year and they thought, okay, he's going to be our future. Remember, there were not a whole lot of weapons around Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua at the time. You had Mike Gasecki and Devonte Parker. Then emerging is now Miles Gaskin. Now you have Will Fuller and you have Jalen Waddell. You've given Tua extra weapons. And you've also given him at least a little bit of a rebuilding offensive line. Because you need to have at least enough protection despite having the hip injury back in college. And you know what's interesting about this? Is that throughout the preseason, because we watch with our own eyes, right? We like to evaluate certain players and we like to be able to break down certain players' uh, strengths and flaws. We do it all the time. But what Miami is telling you right now is that they like Tua, but they're not completely sold on it. All through that in the preseason. Folks, why did it have to come to the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua had to be benched multiple times? There's some there's something in the air in Miami that doesn't feel right. And listen, Tua I think is a really good kid. But think like come to reality with this. It is very difficult to be a successful left-handed quarterback in this league. It really is. We haven't seen anything like that since Michael Vick. Boomer Esiason, Ken Stabler. You can think of a couple of other left-handed quarterbacks, but ever since guys like Matt Leinard and others, they haven't made it through. Evolution of the game has changed massively. And it's nothing against left-handed quarterbacks, but sometimes you got, if you have the presence, the awareness to just go up onto the field with full confidence, And take control of every situation. Every down, every play. And Steve Young as well, yes. But mind you this, Steve Young initially had flaws in Tampa before going to San Francisco. And then it was a match made in heaven with him and Bill Walsh. But that's because there was a lead direction. See, in Tua's case... This is the one thing. You have a competent coach in Brian Flores. A rebuilding offensive line that's going to get better. And there's still question marks all over the place. The funny thing of it is, Miami, they want to win more games. They're looking all within, within this division. Josh Allen has an unbelievable arm, and he could not have been matched with better then Sean McDermott and Brian Dable. And they have a hell of a defense. Bill Belichick in New England, the system, and then you have Mac Jones, which, by the way, Mac Jones might be closer to starting for the Patriots than Cam Newton. I mean, we evaluate all these things in preseason all the time. But there were a lot of real good smart throws. And so that's what it all comes down to and then there's the jets new head coach new quarterback and new weapons new options the jets are tired of being the laughing stocks in the nfl and they want to change that now it may not come as easy but you have to think about all of you know you have to think about all of the, all the fancy stuff and um I think about that, but to me personally, when I look at Miami, they want to win games, but they feel like they can't win the big games. They can't win against Tampa. They can't win against Kansas city. They can't win against Buffalo. They can't win against, you know, most of these other big time, legit teams, not even Baltimore with Tua. That's what it's telling you. As I've said about all Alabama quarterbacks. They may be really good in college, but the transition from Alabama to the NFL is completely different. I have not heard or seen successful quarterbacks come out of Alabama. You could say what you want to, whether it's Tua, whether it's Jalen Hurts, or whether it's Mac Jones, or even, you know, whatever. You guys remember Greg McElroy? Yeah, he disappeared the second he went to the NFL. You remember A.J. McCarron? Couldn't stay healthy and never got a starting gig after that. And then there's Tua with a hip injury, and now there's question marks all over in Miami. There's Jalen Hurts, but he entered the transfer portal to go to Oklahoma, and now let's just see if Philadelphia can fix their mess. And then there's Mac Jones. Well, of course you have to put him in a right system. Because if you put him in a system like Jacksonville or the Jets or any of those other rebuilding organizations, Mac Jones will fail. Because you got to have the right system and the competent coach that's going to build him. That's the way this works. So in Tua's case, he does have a competent coach, but even the organization has so many question marks around him that they feel like if they get Deshaun Watson, they'll be a much they'll be a ready to win now type of group. And I would be all in for that. But in this case now we haven't even heard anything from Deshaun Watson in a while. They could go ahead and make a make a a big time trade for him, but until something comes out or leaks out of the news, then that's kind of what we're stuck with. But the fact of the matter is they're not sold on Tua. I don't think they really were from the beginning, because otherwise we wouldn't have this conversation. I mean, that's kind of the the whole thought process when it comes to Miami. That's really all it comes down to. But they got, but they upgraded so many different p- different places, defense, wide receivers. You got a running back core, and you got one of the best rising tight ends in Mike Gusecki. What is there to question? But in this case, there's a whole lot of question marks with Tua. Um, I'll be talking about that as well, Ethan Forker, um, because honestly, I mean, that's huge. I mean, Man City tried to, you know, come up with a really, really good deal to get Cristiano Ronaldo, um, but unfortunately didn't pan through. Um, I honestly, I'm like, he's reuniting with his old team in Manchester United and Lionel Messi with his debut in PSG is going to be very interesting. But again, the two of them, the two of them in the same place, I think is going to be a lot of fun. I think they're, you're going to take all the energy that you saw from Real Madrid against Barcelona and you're going to implement it into Manchester city. And, uh, in PSG, I'm kind of excited for that, you know, for soccer itself, like that, that's the one thing you will have me watch right there is that that's about it. Um, so this was funny. Um, I, I had a conversation about this in my previous episode with our very own coach Dante, who you could check out here on the spotlight sports network. And we talked about a certain quarterback And what was interesting is I didn't think he'd be moved to this destination. I looked all over, and I said this. Anywhere that they're going to need a quarterback. Washington needs a quarterback. The Giants might need a push to get a quarterback if Daniel Jones doesn't succeed. Dallas might need a quarterback just to protect um, Dak Prescott because, honestly, all the backups there in Dallas are terrible. I mean, let's face it. Dak doesn't really have a whole lot of insurance in that quarterback depth chart. And there's a couple of other places that could very much use a quarterback. But this was on the news a couple days that Gardner Minshew is officially traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, why would the Eagles do this? And Coach Dante mentioned about one thing. He mentioned about Philadelphia being one of those teams that could get Gardner Minshew. And sure enough, it happens. And this is my thought. Let me focus on Philly. First of all, all the pressure is on the shoulders of Howie Roseman, not to mention Nick Sirianni. And parts of it, Jalen Hurts. They have to make this work. They went through all the troubles and they went through all the chaos and all of just a tear down and now we're building it right back up. This whole motion that Philadelphia has been in before the season started, now you've got a backup quarterback that you, you could trust if Jalen Hurts gets hurt because honestly, when I watched preseason, Nick Mullins did not look like a capable backup. Joe Flacco look good but you're only getting the experience portion out of it and what's funny about this is is Gardner Minshew is an interesting type of player because he has had his spurts of moments in Jacksonville where he was actually very productive he was competitive and is a guy that just at any given Sunday is just going to put up competitive numbers for you and so when you need a touchdown, you need a score, he'll do his best to provide it. But what's funny about this is, is that Philadelphia, and you already knew with the quarterback carousel that they went through last year, they said, we're we're, we're falling in with Jalen Hurts. We're going all in for him. And then they decided to go and get Gardner Minshew as a capable backup. I still think he could potentially be a starter in this league. That's why I mentioned about Washington. Listen, Washington is only going to get so much out of Ryan Fitzpatrick until it just burns off. You don't know if Taylor Heineke is going to really put up the performance like he did in the postseason. You don't know that. That's why it was like kind of like a lightning in the bottle situation. And so I was very very curious as to how Washington didn't even initially make this move because think about the quarterback lists next year. You got Spencer Radler, Sam Howell, and a couple of others. I don't know who's really going to shine the most in college. I don't. I felt like this past draft was maybe the last that I would ever see it be a stacked and deep quarterback class um and i thought it like again i i, I just i was i was really really curious about that move but it does make sense makes a, a lot of sense in the world for philadelphia extra depth you got a capable backup it's a good insurance plan and what's funny about this is like you look up insurance plans and you want the best one that's affordable, not something that's like over-the-top expensive to where you go and get something. Like, again, Carson Wentz was going to be a, an expensive backup and you knew you weren't going to be able to, man, like, to handle that amount of money. But they do get something there. And Gardner Minshew can be capable of being a starter, but is also a high-end backup. And Philadelphia's got all the protection with it. And as I said for New York, for the Giants, I mean, Daniel Jones is—it's go time. You cannot afford to flunk a season like this, and this is a team that very much improved, like defensively, offensively. I think Joe Judge is capable of winning more games, but it will only depend on how Daniel Jones really bounces this up and coming year. If he does. It will be then at that point, the Giants will be fine. And Daniel Jones will not lose his job. But a lot of pressure sometimes when it comes to New York, all the pressure's there. And I thought Gardner Mitchu would be an ideal fit in case of something like that was to happen. But I again I I, I like this move. I like this philadelphia gets a capable high-end backup and is a guy that they're really going to enjoy so much and uh i thought it was interesting i thought it was interesting but now let's just see how philadelphia really pans out throughout this whole thing i'm excited for it uh coming up next um you know, we we had news earlier about you know, we had news earlier about the New York Mets and Javi Baez, uh, Francisco Lindor. There's so much buzz going around right now in New York. And my question is why is it that New York fans just seem to be bipolar in my opinion. I'm going to explain the whole reason of that coming up next. And like I said, I'm going to be explaining a little bit more on the NFL because I'm excited for what this up and coming season is going to bring us. So for all of our fantasy competitors out there, coast to coast, far and wide, you guys love fantasy play and you guys love winning cold, hard cash. There is a place to go to and an app you can download on your mobile device through Google play in the app store. It's called thrive fantasy thrive. Fantasy. Fantasy has pool plays that they reload on every day of the week. And also what's best about it is since week one is going to be right around the corner in the NFL season, there are pool plays that you could sign up for that you could be winning up to close to 100K in each of those pool plays. And that means more of the fun and that's more of the competitiveness, more of the competitive level. So all you would have to do in order to do it Sign yourself up on ThriveFantasy.com, put in your twenty dollar deposit, but before anything, use promo code SS Network and Thrive Fantasy will match it to 50 bucks into your first first play. So that's more money in your pocket, that's more fun that you can spend on, and also also opportunities to win cold hard cash every day of every week. Go to thrivefantasy.com, promo code SS Network to get the $50, um, the $50 match deal. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SS Network. I feel like
1: this is great, and everything I do is the same. But I know that's just in my mind. I know everything is just in my mind. You really want to be famous? Do you really want to be a superstar? Do you really want to get dangerous? Do you even know where the groupies are? Welcome. I like, going. don't keep it moving because you do not know me. Welcome to the My City My Game Pod Show featuring Raider J77, your place for things Raiders and all things Trailblazers. Brought to you by the Spotlight Sports Network. Make sure you like, subscribe, and hit the bell for notifications. Now let's go.
0: there's so much merchandise that you can go around and shop for hats, t-shirts, hoodies. We're right around the corner for hoodie season right now. So you guys do not want to end up missing out and going and getting your merchandise rep for your favorite show and rep for the network here on the spotlight, sports network.com under the merchandise section powered by spread shirt. Um, so, you know, this, uh, this past series, So, of course, you know, there's a lot of rumor buzzes all around in New York, you know, and and there were so many things that were happening in the state of New York itself just by this past year. You know, the New York Knicks, they make the playoffs for the first time in a long time, but get beat by the Atlanta Hawks. But there are some positives that you could look at with the Knicks season moving into next season. Uh, The New York Yankees were on a 13-game winning streak until getting snapped by the Oakland Athletics. But that's a team that's staying red hot right now, despite the injuries and despite all of this. And then, of course, like I said, the Jets seem to be falling in love with Zach Wilson. And the Giants, it's go time for Daniel Jones. But New York definitely is up on the map this year. So... This leads me to my next segment from here. So, um, (laughs) just a couple nights ago, um, right now New York Mets fans are pissed. They're very much pissed off. They're disappointed. And they're not really happy with the outcome of what the season has looked like. But here's where you lose the focus. So what ended up happening was Javier Baez, he hits a home run and then by the time he trots around, initiates a thumbs down, does a thumbs down gesture. Francisco Lindor even did a thumbs down gesture and so did Kevin Pillar. Now why would they do that? Well, let me tell you something about the state of New York. Okay, New York's always money-hungry. It's a never-sleep, money-hungry state, whether you're upstate or you're on the island. One or the other. And this is the kind of thing. If you've watched like, how things run, even if you're watching the stock market as well, money never sleeps in New York. Especially if you live in New York and you're constantly watching television and you're always seeing JP Morgan and all of these other big-time money-hungry companies, you know, Fortune 500 companies, that's what happens. The good folks at Wall Street never sleep. That's how it always has been. So money, financials, they're always all over the place. And that's just kind of how the state itself is run. And so when it comes to sports, New York is die hard about their sports. They really are. There's no room for disappointment. There's no room for underachieving. And there's no room for excuses. The fans all love their sports, no matter what it may be. The Jets, the Giants, the Islanders, the Rangers, the Mets, the Yankees, and the Knicks. Because barely people, you know, and this is the funny thing, you have the Brooklyn Nets, but barely anybody is going to end up going and rooting for Brooklyn. But yet being competitive, they might. But I've hardly heard of anybody that were big-time Brooklyn Nets fans. Think of it when they were New Jersey. That would have been a completely different story. But listen, I mean, I understand this watching Yankee fans. I do. And I'm just going to say this straight up, no sugar coat, you know, and everything. But New York fans have got to be the most bipolar fans in sports. But they're very passionate about it. They're very passionate about it. And after what had happened with the New York Mets and with Javi Baez and Lindor and Pilar. So this whole season went in. You have Steve Cohen. Brand new owner, you know, and and chock full of money. Goes and makes a big-time trade to going and getting Francisco Lindor. And then spends big-time money to making sure he stays. Ten-year contract. Lump sum of money. Like, you think about it. You watch Fernando Tatis Jr. in San Diego get paid all that money, and now Lindor, he's got his money's worth then come trade deadline, they go and get Hobby Bias. They wanted to load up the roster, they wanted to load up the lineup, and they wanted to make it better because it's all for one purpose, to get into the postseason, like a lot of teams do. But this is the funny thing about this whole entire scenario. Fans are always passionate about their team. They don't like underachievements. They don't like disappointment. So, of course, a lot of them are going to express their frustrations and they're going to express their feelings. But I find it very interesting that this went about. But here's the kicker. This is only the first year you're even witnessing Francisco Lindor, the Mets. And then the first half a season with with Javi Baez off the, uh, the trade deadline. And... I understand with what Mets fans are feeling because they want to get into the postseason so bad and you think of their division in the NL East. You got the Braves who stay competitive. You got the Phillies who are cooking, especially when it's Bryce Harper. You got the Washington Nationals at the time before the trade deadline. They had a hell of a pitching staff and they won a World Series two years ago. And then there's Miami, which let's be honest, how did Miami even get into the postseason? Oh, we remembered shortened season thanks to COVID. But regardless of all of that, the Mets are tired of underachieving. And you have one of the arguably the best pitcher in baseball in Jacob DeGrom, which I understand the frustration. I understand the feeling. But also, too, this was all part of a year's worth process. They knew it when they went into the season. And this is where they are now. Mind you, they still have to figure out the rest of their rotation. Now, there are some arms coming back. I've ended up hearing about Noah Syndergaard possibly coming back. And then you have to think about, well, who can they really trust out of their bullpen? Because that sometimes seems to be the root of certain teams' struggles. If you don't go into the postseason with a solid bullpen... That knows how to get through seven, eight, and nine innings, you're in trouble. I mean, you look at all these teams in baseball right now with the Dodgers, the Yankees, um, you know, the, the the Astros. A lot of these teams, they all have a common goal, but each of them focus on the positions that they know they need to fix, and that's why the trade deadline is even there in the first place. The funny thing about this is, is even though of Baez and Lindor being so tight, both of them playing in Puerto Rico, the whole thought process of this is, the Cubs were imploding. Rizzo goes to New York. Chris Bryant goes to San Francisco. Baez goes to the Mets. Lots and lots of players from the Cubs all went elsewhere. So they were imploding. And this whole topic of conversation, because first of all, relax. Lindor's not going anywhere, okay? And ultimately, this is just the last year of Hobby Baez's contract, officially. So he's going to go where he decides he wants to, whether he wants to come back to Chicago or he wants to go and take his business elsewhere. But at the same time, this is something where you know by next month you've got to get into high gear. This and next month are the big-time months because by the time you're in October and you don't know what your identity is and at the same time you are struggling to get out of innings, you're basically screwed. But I understand the frustration with New York, with New York fans, and I know how passionate that they can be. And that's where they're trying to signal to the players listen, we're paying you all this money, and we are not trying to underachieve. That was not the main goal. The main goal was to win the division, get to the postseason, and then be be lethal in the postseason. Now the questions are everywhere. Because at this point, you don't know whether or not if this team's really trustworthy. When it comes to putting themselves into the postseason. Because again, regular season and postseason are completely different atmospheres. Postseason is, it's the best time of year. It's pressurized. I love stuff like that. And at the same time, you, you, you cannot underachieve. You cannot. You cannot afford to fail and all of the above. And this is why, I mean, however the Mets are going to go about this by next year, time's ticking. But you got to love New York fans at times. Like, I hear this all the time. Uh, like, first of all, look at how the Yankees were. Yankees got plagued with injuries. People hated them. People were just absolutely disgusted. They were talking about Aaron Boone. They were talking about all these injuries with Aaron Judge and Jar- and J- Giancarlo Stanton and all these players. And yet... It came off of a 13-game win streak. And yet, they're battling for the wild card position and getting into the postseason, and then they love them again. It's just sometimes it's just like, look, do you love or hate your team? I get confused at that every time. I've been in New York four times in my life. And there are people that actually do love their team. There are people who are just absolutely disgusted about the team. Look, I can't, I can't begin to tell you how many times my grandfather, like, always, the topic of discussion is how terrible Eli Manning was last week, okay? Like, that's always been the topic of discussion because playing in New York, there's all this pressure, and then you got the fans, you got the endorsements, you got all this stuff, and it's like, you know, and it makes you wonder, you're like, especially when it came to the NBA draft and when it came to Zion, if Zion was really going to be the big-time successor in a state like New York, it is tough. It is tough to basically handle yourself amongst that pressure. But like I said, this is something that both sides really need to start to come to agreement on. Look, fans are going to be fans. It doesn't matter. What matters is is if you are making the adjustments possible to making yourselves a competitive team in the National League, then by all means do so because you're not going to have enough time. Time's ticking and you're going to be right around the corner to postseason. And the last thing the fans want is another another disappointing year and they can't get into the postseason. And they got to do whatever it takes to make it happen. That's just my honest and full opinion from there. But again, that that's just the way that you kind of look at it from here on out. Time now for the hot press. All right, so there were some news that were going around, and uh, man, a lot of news seems to be breaking out for the Indianapolis Colts. But this was announced today that um, three players, three players, were announced to be put on the COVID list. Um, Colts quarterback Carson Wentz, Pro Bowl center Ryan Kelly, and receiver Zach Pascal um, have been placed onto the COVID nineteen reserve list and they were coming into close contact with a Colts staff member who did te- test positive for the virus. Uh, the players can return in five days if they continue to have negative tests and remain asymptomatic. Asymptomatic. Uh, the fact that the three players were placed on the list as close contacts is an indication that they are not vaccinated um, for the virus, and which is per the NFL protocols. So that means that they got to go and get themselves the uh, the vaccination. Um, And Carson Wentz, he was asked this question of, you know, whether he was vaccinated or whatnot, just to get a verification. And he said, that's a personal decision. Now, listen, we, we already know about Carson Wentz's situation. First of all, he's on the injured list. And even if he was in close contacts, he's going to quarantine anyway. And at the same time, it's not like he, he's not going to be returning back into the field until like week five, I promise you. This is why that the Colts and with this quarterback carousel right now is only for the short term. But I've said this before. I like Jacob Beeson. I'd say give it a try and roll with him at the very least because by the time Carson Wentz comes back, and I've seen all these highlights – that could be a team that could go either three and two or two and three in five weeks. And then at that point, when Carson Wentz comes back, he's healthy um, and he's ready to roll with his new team. It could change. But Zach pascal that's a hit on the depth chart. And then, of course, not to mention Ryan Kelly as their offensive lineman. So those are some real good pieces. The Colts right now, I mean, I don't think they're really in desperation mode. Neither are they really in panic mode. But it's not going to be that easy of a season for them this year. It's going to be one of those great grinding seasons. And we'll see. We'll see what happens as more and more news start to come up um, for for those Colts players as well. So um, sources have been reported that the LA Lakers have agreed to a one-year $2.6 million contract in returning Rajon Rondo, who originally won a NBA finals championship with the Lakers in 2020 during the bubble and uh, is going to be back with the Lakers again for one more year. Um, So Rondo, who would agree to a contract bio with the Memphis Grizzlies on Saturday is still going to make his full $7.5 million salary uh, between the buyout and then the new the new deal with the Lakers. So, listen, guys, I, I've been saying this about the Lakers. They've brought up all these superstars. And here's what's funny. Of the starting seven, all of them were all NBA players, all NBA roster players. But every single one of them are all looking like they're past their primes. Rondo's 35. There is not a whole lot of youngsters at all on this roster. So regardless if you're bringing back a veteran voice in the locker room like Rajon Rondo, it's not going to change your position. Because eventually these guys are going to suffer injuries, and at the same time they're going to be fatigued, they're going to be wore out. And there's not, and this is what's funny because you would think in s- some instances around in this league that you would need young blood to give you the minutes, give you the time, and even give you the points. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that this is really going to pan itself out. But I, I, I just look at it. And I'm like, this roster so. Well, I already know where the Lakers are going to place themselves, but. That's just all that it is. So Brian Flores, um, Brian Flores was obviously on an interview after, um, you know, after the preseason. And now that we're kind of past the preseason at this point, we're ready for the new season to start back up. So he was asked a couple of questions about the latest on the Deshaun Watson uh, trade conversations that had emerged today, and. This is what he basically had to say about it.
1: You know, with any player on our team, any honestly, any, any person in the organization, um, there's a standard of of.
0: Uh, you know, we have a standard of the of of you know that we want the way we want people to. Uh, I mean, we have a high standard for the people we have in the organization. So uh, I, don't, I don't get into
1: last strikes or anything. We just. You no, know, we, we we want the people with high character and throughout the building and you know, then
0: that's what we and I don't think anybody could have put that put that in writing any better. I mean look, Brian Flores, he's confident with all of his players. But if the front office is feeling like they can't really trust Tua, then then make a trade. They they are basically on the attitude of they can make a trade, but it will be it will be costly. But it depends on it because sometimes those trades, they're like worth the risk. But again, until you have news on Deshaun Watson, Tua's your guy. But I just think it's a very interesting situation. I'm not sure how this will go about, but I'm sure something will be cleared out of the air. Uh, that was your hot press. Coming up next, so my best for last, as I've said before, is I'm gonna do a I'm gonna play a game. Um, so it's basically the AFC uh in this episode, and it's a buy-in or sell out on the teams that are either gonna win or or the, the teams that are gonna win more than what they did this past season, and then the teams um that might be short. So we're going to see exactly what we look at, because again, I've already done the division predictions, but we're going to, I want to get a thorough look into what this Nick, this next season really is going to be. And like, again, I like, I kind of like my, my, I kind of like my look on this. And I think it does make a whole lot of sense. If you, if you truly think about it. So, so I'm going to have that here coming up next, taking my quick break, and then uh, we'll go ahead and have that all started. So like I said, there is lots and lots of merchandise that you guys can get yourself geared up or accessories that you guys can show out, whether in the office, wherever you may be. And we have so much hats, T-shirts, hoodies, um, coffee mugs, Phone accessory covers, all sorts of that here on the Spotlight Sports Network. Just by going to the merchandise section powered by Spreadshirt, there's so much more. That, um, there's so much more there. Definitely take a look, and also rep your favorite show on the network, and rep for your favorite network here. That's got you all covered up in sports. That's the SpotlightSportsNetwork.com, and going through the merchandise section powered by Spreadshirt.
1: What's up, fantasy champions? Spotlight Sports Network is excited to tell you about an amazing deal from Thrive Fantasy, your place for daily fantasy sports and esports. Right now, with promo code SS Network, Thrive Fantasy will match up to $50 of your first deposit. So go to ThriveFantasy.com and sign up now with promo code SS Network. That's ThriveFantasy.com, promo code SS Network.
0: All righty, folks. Well, first and foremost, I really do thank every single one of you guys for jumping on here onto the show tonight on the Snake Sports Talk Show on the Spotlight Sports Network. It was a lot of fun, and, man, it's um this NFL season. I'm telling you, it's only going to get bigger and better and much more exciting as we're going into the 2021 season. Preseason's over. So it's time now to really evaluate. On all of these teams. Um, so we'll start with the AFC. And all we're doing is we're buying or selling out of the idea um whether they'll win or they'll lose more games than what they did in the previous season. So we're gonna start it out all in all the divisions. So let's go ahead and we'll start with the AFC East. So the uh, let's talk about the New York Jets. We'll start from the bottom up from here. So the Jets who finished last, they were two and 14. Will they win or will they Um, am I buying in winning more or losing uh, more games than last year? You know, I'm buying into the fact that they're going to win more games. I think this is a team that's going to win s- about six to seven games. There are going to be a couple of breaks for the Jets. That I think they could be better at. And this is a team that I think could finish six and eleven or seven and ten. And just from what I saw from Zach Wilson is it it's it's interesting. This is a kid that's got a lot of positive upside. I love what I saw from his performance in preseason. He looks like he's a kid that could be very disciplined as long as he's in the right direction. Um, but you have to think about it. They got a lot of really good weapons. Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder, uh, Tyler Croft, by the way, has been the talk of, of the tight end position. And then let's see how the run game really produces. But the biggest break is going to be that defense. That D line is going to give you exactly what they've got. And Marcus may and a couple of others on their secondary position. So I'm buying in that the jets are going to win more than they did this past year. Uh, the New England Patriots, so they finished seven and nine. Are they winning or are they losing more games? I am buying in they're going to win more games. I think they might actually win uh, nine, possibly ten games this year. Um, First and foremost, I am liking with what I saw from Mac Jones. And by the way, there's been buzz talks, everything about maybe Mac Jones being more the starter than Cam Newton is. I mean, look. We have our thoughts about Cam Newton. It's just, it is what it is. But at the same time, um, I do think that Mac Jones, it was a match made in heaven to be with Bill Belichick, to be with this type of system in New England, because all that this is is that they just develop their guys to execute plays. And Mac Jones, I feel like, is a smart kid. He's a guy that... um He's a guy that I think is going to be really really competitive. And again, you have to think about the system all around him. Competitive guys, smart guys, and ones that are very disciplined. I think Mac Jones will do just fine. I think he's going to have a really really good career. But I do think they might be capable of winning 9 to 10 games this year. Uh the Miami Dolphins 10 and 6 they were last year. Um for right now, because of all of this buzz talk, I don't think they're going to win 10 games like they did last year. I think they're going to probably win nine. I'm going to be... I'm just going to be blunt about this because, first of all, you've got so many questions about Tua right now, and at the same time, you just re with the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes again. And the only thing is if... If a trade got done tomorrow, the only thing is if Deshaun Watson's a Miami Dolphin, they'll win more games. But it's telling me right now that they cannot win with Tua, especially not with the big games. They'll win you some games. They might win you, you know, games against the Jets. They might win games against um, Jacksonville or Houston or even, you know, bits and pieces of Indianapolis and Tennessee, but you're not going to win big time games against Kansas city or Buffalo or Baltimore, or even some of these big time NFL teams like Tampa or a lot of them, because at that point you're, you're facing against big time defenses. So there's question marks all the way around with that. Uh, the Buffalo bills, they went 13 and three this past season. Um, I'm going to put a hold Because I do think that they might actually win 13 games again. They might win 14. But remember, Josh Allen is on contract year. Sometimes it does get pressurous for quarterbacks like that. But I do think he's got a competent head coach in Sean McDermott. I do think he's got a really good offensive coordinator with Brian Dable. And he's got a hell of a defense and really good offensive players. So uh, it's not like Josh Allen, and it's not like the Bills are not going to miss the playoffs this year. They are very much going to make the playoffs, but as far as what they've performed last year at 13 and three, it's kind of hard to really predict it. But at the same time, I think it could be doable. Now, like I said, they could be between the either 14, 13 or 12 wins, whatever the case may be. But I do like the chances. I'm just going to put a hold on it. So, I'm bought into the Jets winning more games. I'm bought into New England winning more games. I'm selling on um, the Dolphins winning more games. I think they might take one game off. And then Buffalo, I'm I'm putting a hold. Okay, the AFC West, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm putting a hold on them. Um, You got the Chiefs, the Raiders, Chargers, Broncos. Okay, so let me actually flip-flop. The Broncos. So (laughs) I am going to slightly buy into Denver winning more games. Here's the reason. First of all, they got Teddy Bridgewater as their starting quarterback. It's over for Drew Locke. Drew Locke is not going to be the starting quarterback. He's too laxadazed, and I do not think that Denver may win those big-time games, but they could be a surprising team on the defensive side because Vic Fangio, as you know, defensive-minded coach, um, Patrick Sertain. There was a lot of really good speculations with him, Justin Simmons, and a couple of other really good secondaries. And by the way, um, they were a team that did not allow a touchdown in the preseason. Now, I'm not putting my hopes up on this, but this could be a team that'll be interesting walking into the new season without Drew Locke, going in with Teddy Bridgewater, um, you're going to get Cortland Sutton back, but this defense, that's the only reason that Denver may still show a competitive side, but it may not be as big. I think they're capable of winning seven games, um, and maybe eight, but at the same time, you gotta get, you gotta show me some improvement there. Um, the chargers went seven and nine. I'm buying in. They're winning more games. Um, first and foremost, they were the talk of the off season this year. They have addressed their offensive line. They go and get Corey Lindsley, uh, Matt Filer, and, of course, um, Odeya Bushi. And then they draft Rayshon Slater. They they have addressed the offensive line very, very well. Justin Herbert was a lightning in the bottle last year. Uh, this was a, guy, a kid that came out last year, no practices, not even a preseason or OTAs, and broke everything every single rookie record, uh, you know, at quarterback. And this is a kid that could really um, get over the humps of what their problems were last year. Because first of all, they kept losing games that were below seven. So that was their problem. I think this year and after watching the defense, this is a much better improved defense, but it is going to be a lot tougher when you're going about and you're kind you know, you're kind of, uh, You know, at the same time, you you know you're facing off against some of these tough teams, but Justin Herbert showed you he's capable of of matching up against those tough teams. So I'm buying in; they're going to win more games. I I think this could be a team that I know I've said initially 13 and four, but within the ranges, I mean, shoot, they could win 12 or 11, but that'll be a dark horse team that I guarantee is going to make the playoffs this year. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders going eight and eight this year. Um I, I'm gonna put a hold on the Raiders. First of all, respectfully where they sit, because last year was not offense problems. It was not. Last year was all defense. That was the part that cost them more games. Because even though they're putting up 25 to 30 games, like they're they're putting up 25, 30 points a game, they were giving up 25 to 30 points a game. In the game, defensively. Now, they did address a new defensive coordinator in Gus Bradley. Um, They go and get Trayvon Morig. You're going to have a healthy Damon Arnett. You're going to have a lot of good, healthy guys. And they go and get Yannick Ngakwe, a really good pass rusher um, to bust through offensive lines. Uh, I think this will be a very competitive team for sure for next season because, first of all, Derek Carr is putting up the numbers that you know are trustworthy. But this is a sign that again you put in this new group you put in a new def- defensive coordinator the only question is will john gruden get over this will john gruden get over what last season brought them and can they be competitive it'll be interesting um chiefs 14 to 2 i'm gonna put a hold i'm gonna put a hold on the chiefs with that 14 wins because they may either win 14 games or they might actually lose one and just get 13. Whatever the case may be, that's going to be a team that's going to be winning the division again. They're going to go into the playoffs. They address the offensive line. Got a couple of um, you know, they got a couple of really good um defensive pieces, but you know, at the same time, it's it's Kansas City. That that that's really all you got to look into it. So I'm buying slightly into the Broncos, I'm buying into the Chargers, I'm holding on both the Raiders and Chiefs. Um, Those are the only two teams right there that I hold. And then the other two I'm kind of buying into Um, the AFC North. um, So I'm going to start with the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm going to slightly buy into more wins with them. They went four and 11, but here's the thing. I think they might win just five or six games. This is, this is difficult because first of all, you would don't even have an offensive line around Joe Burrow. That scares me. Um, defensively, they could show up at any point, but Cincinnati, I mean, as long as Joe Burrow is making the right decisions without getting himself hurt, they're capable of winning six games. But at the same time, this is a, this is an organization that's never going to see past their, their, their past. Um, I just don't think, you know, I, I just don't think they'll be able to able to overcome that hump uh the Cleveland Browns 11 and 5 that they were last year, you know, I'm buying in they're going to win more. I think they're probably going to win 13 to 12 games. Baker Mayfield was showing you that he's capable of executing plays. Now here's the deal. Defensively, Cleveland got better. They got much much better on defense. They got better secondaries there Joe, uh, John Johnson uh, you know in the safety and corner position. The other part is um They've got a strong offensive line. They've got a really strong offensive line. And Nick Chubb is by far the wildcard running back that's going to have a huge year this this up-and-coming year. I think Cleveland is serious, but it all comes down to what Baker Mayfield's going to do next. That's my only honest opinion. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens, 11-5. You know, I'm going to hold on Baltimore uh Baltimore they do have a much better improved offense once they got um once they got Rashad Bateman and then they went and got Sammy Watkins now they needed to get over the top wide receivers for La'Mar Jackson because that was the talk right that was the conversation now here's the hard part they're without Matt Judon they are without at least a couple of key pieces but they could still play good defense i think they'll might win 11 games again. Maybe they might win one more. Maybe they might win one less. But at the same time, this is going to be a grinding Baltimore team that I think is only going to get competitive from here. And then 12 and four, Pittsburgh Steelers. I am selling on them winning more games. I think this is a team that's going to win eight, nine, eight or nine games, maybe seven. Pittsburgh lost a lot of their offensive linemen. The other part of this is they lost Bud Dupree, one of their other edge rushers. And who knows what Pittsburgh's going to end up addressing when it comes to Big Ben. First of all, you can't afford another Big Ben injury. And the second that happens, you're losing more games. Um, a lot, Yeah, a lot less than last year uh, because they're not going to do that again. They're not going to pull off a record like that again. I promise you this. Um, but you know, you had a lot of top talks about Dwayne Haskins kind of on the rise when Ben is retired, but at the same time, this is an offensive line and they, and the first pick they get is Najee Harris, I think is a really good running back, but who's going to be the offensive line to protect him. That's the question. Who's going to open up the holes. So, um, I'm slightly buying into Bengals winning about five, six games. I'm buying into Cleveland, winning more games, holding on the Ravens, but I'm selling my stock on the, on the Pittsburgh Steelers big time. Um, okay. The AFC South, uh, the Jaguars went one in 15. I'm buying in. They're going to win more games. I think that with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, they are going to win at least six, seven games at least uh Urban Meyer is a very much a transformative type of coach. He's a guy that's going to come into a system with Jacksonville. He's going to clean up this mess. And what better than to start with your caliper in Trevor Lawrence? First of all, you named him starting quarterback, and Gardner Minshew goes to Philadelphia. Now, despite and regardless of that, um, that's a team that look, you look at some of these offensive guys, Keelan Cole, DJ Chark, um, LaVisca Chenault, Um, they do have some really good wide receiver pieces. Now, tight end's going to be questionable, but also they've had a couple of defensive guys that I think are kind of trustworthy, but I think this team could win about six games given the fact that you've got Trevor Lawrence there um, on the rise. Uh, Houston Texans, they're going to win less. They're probably going to end up winning three or two games if they don't figure this out with Deshaun Watson. Uh, they were 4-12 and 12 last season, and that's a team that I think has just become a complete dumpster fire. I mean, it's nothing against them, but this is an organization that's just in a complete huge mess, and yeah, I think Houston's just going to end up losing more games. They're probably going to end up about three or four, or, or, three, or, or three or two. Um, Colts were 11 and five last season. I'm slightly buying into they're going to win 12. Um, this is interesting for me for the Indianapolis Colts, because first of all, you got Carson Wentz, who's going to be back. Um, you know, he's going to be coming back once he's back from injury. And of course on the COVID list, but they do have a good quarterback system and Frank Reich knows how to make it right. But here's the other thing defensively, Darius Leonard, Quitty Pay, and a couple of other of these other big time Colt um, you know, Colt players. This is a team that Chris Ballard puts together and they still show up competitively. Now, they may end up the same winning 11 games or they might win one more, but again, I still think that they're getting something out of Carson Wentz. It's only a matter of time until he's done really well. So, I think the Colts might win 11, possibly 12 games, but that's where I've got that prediction from there. And finally, the Tennessee Titans at 11-5. and five. I'm going to go with one less. I'm going to sell them at one less. I think they might win 10. First of all, okay, Ryan Tannehill in that offense with Derrick Henry and Julio Jones and A.J. Brown is not my problem, okay? My problem is that secondary. That's the part that kind of kills me. Um. Now, they did address an edge rusher because they did not have a pass rush last year. They go and get to uh, Bud Dupree. But the secondary right now, outside of Kevin Biard, is I don't even know if it's trustworthy or not. But they still can be competitive of winning the games. Why? Because Mike Vrabel is a very competent coach. He's a guy that, you know, is alpha. He puts his foot down. But he gives all the confidence for the offense to just make make plays happen. Now, they are without uh, Arthur Smith who's in Atlanta. And the offensive play is going to be relatively different. Now, I don't know what the approach is going to be exactly. But there has been a lot of talks with certain stuff, but I do think Tennessee might be one game less winning 10, but regardless of that, I mean they're going to They're going to be striving to push. So, you know, that's my thought on it. So out of all the AFC teams that I'm buying into, I'm buying into um, the Patriots winning more games, the Jets winning more games, Chargers winning more games, Broncos slightly winning more games, uh, the Bengals will slightly win more games, Browns will win more games, Colts will slightly win more games, Jags will win more games. The ones I'm taking a hold on is the Ravens, the Raiders, the Chiefs, uh, the Bills, and also kind of, you know, I'm kind of like holding on the Dolphins. It's tough because it's like all this stuff. Um, It's hard. It's (laughs) really, really hard. Um, But at the same time, I I I do like... I do like the chances and then the ones that I'm really selling the stock out on, I'm selling the stock on the Steelers. I'm selling the stock on, you know, Tennessee by slightly one game. And then I'm selling it on Houston because I just don't think right now, like, first of all, Pittsburgh is not going to look like that. They are not going to look like a 12 and four team, not with that roster, not with the way that they performed right there. I am sorry, but that's not, that's not, you know, a competitive team enough. You are walking in with, you're walking in seriously with a big, you know, with Big Ben who like at the same time, you, uh, you don't know if he's going to stay healthy. You don't know if he's going to be healthy enough, but at the same time, they hardly have an offensive line that can protect and hardly an offensive line that's going to open up lanes for them to run through. I don't know how that's going to work. I really don't know if that's a trustworthy or competitive team. I think defense you could say otherwise, but still, I don't think they're going to end up winning that many games. Sorry, but that's that's just reality and that's my opinion. I don't think they're really gonna win that many games. All righty, folks. Well, that's gonna do it for me here on the Snake Sports Talk. So I appreciate every single one of you guys being here tonight, and we will see you guys next time on the next episode of the Snake Sports Talk Show on the Spotlight Sports Network. Take care, have a great night, and we will see you guys soon.